Dear Lord, we want to thank you for this day. We want to thank you for waking us up this morning. We want to thank you for allowing our, our pastor to celebrate 38 years of ministry. Continue to bless this ministry, bless the members, and allow the message to touch the heart, even if it's only for one person. And keep me from saying anything that'll cause pastor to yank me off the pulpit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, go ahead and sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Can y'all hear me okay? Okay. All right. I know we had a delay with the, the live stream, so I was, thought we had a little bit more time, but we're going to have to just, just do it. So for today's message, what I want to do is I want to water a series that uh, Pastor preached on about three years ago. And it was kind of a COVID series uh, because it was during a the pandemic. There was nobody in here. And when I say Pastor was in here preaching to himself, that is exactly what he was in here doing. Um, but the name of the series was called Renewing Your Mind. So if that's a series you're familiar with, that's what I'm going to be touching on. So renewing your mind is, is the same as renovating your mind, right? It's kind of like when you get a house, when you renovate the house. You, you add new things by getting rid of the old things. So how do we renew our minds, right? We have to allow the Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out. And when true change takes place, it causes us to change the way that we think. So with that being said, I want to provide y'all with some perspective, right? It's personal to me, and it's kind of in a way that allows me to understand this whole series. And I'm going to be doing so by sharing my journey to a renewed mind. So that's what I'm going to call today's message, the journey to a renewed mind. <clears throat> oh, that's hot. <clears throat> I'm sorry. My dad told me, he's like, Sister Kennedy going to give you some tea. It's going to be hot. Just sip it. I thought it was going to be cool because she's like, oh, don't worry about it. I got you, brother. <sighs> that tea is hot. Okay. So we're going to do a scripture reading at Romans 12, verses 1 through 3 in the King James Version. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Romans 12, 1 through 3. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and that perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, this scripture gets brought up often and for good reason. Uh, it's loaded. This is a very loaded scripture, and I'm going to try to break parts of it down. And I can kind of see why pastor has to like, make series out of his messages. So I'm going to share as much as I can in one service because I'm not doing no series. So what areas did I learn to renew my mind? I'm going to share with you guys four ways that the Lord has worked with me in my personal journey, and it'll be a blessing to you if you're able to relate to it. Because again, if I'm able to touch one heart, that's what matters. But in order to do that, I need to share a life story to set this up. So you all know my parents. Uh, a lot of y'all have been to the ministry for a long time. Now, my parents have been role models for me ever since, you know, day one. Happily married, 50 years of marriage, you know, yada, yada, yada. Now, I was uh-oh, did my mic go out? I would go to them for advice because I respected their opinion. 
I ain't always take it, but the advice was solid. Uh, one year I went through a very, very horrible time in my life, and it was a real, real big setback. <clears throat> Tea is hot. <clears throat> so, you know, it was a real bad setback. So what I did was I did what I always do. I decided to just call my parents. So I called my dad for advice, and it went to voicemail. So I was like, I'm going to send him a text message, right? Y'all, I didn't hear back from my dad for like four to five, four to five days. And then when he reached back out, it had, no, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not crying. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I guess I was crying my eyes wide. <laughs> I don't even take my baths hot. That tea is hot. I'm sorry. We off track. Stop. Stop playing. Okay. But anyway, so he didn't call me back for like four or five days. But he texted me, and when he texted me back, it was like something about the Pistons or something. I was so mad. I was so mad. Let me tell you, you have no idea. So I called my mom a couple days later, right? And she answered, but she was in the car with my dad and Renee. So now my conversation's public. I'm on speakerphone. And uh, the advice I felt at the time seemed generic. So no disrespect. It just it came off generic. It seemed like... They weren't trying to counsel me in that moment, like they were in the middle of doing something, but they wanted to acknowledge me because they loved me, and, which is fair, right? And they kind of had this trust that I would just figure it out. But before I got off the phone, you know, my parents got this way of saying these little cryptic things before they get off the phone that stick with you for the rest of your life. And my dad said, he was like, go put the word on. Now, I know that may not seem like a, a big cryptic thing, but it was to me for a lot of reasons. But here's my issue with go put the word on. I'm mad at them, right? I don't want to go hear my dad talk for an hour, okay? Like, I'm, see, y'all got him looking at me, judging me, okay. But like, seriously, like his voice was the last thing I wanted to hear. And on top of that, when you experience a heartbreak, like, I wanted to really hear something that was gonna like actually pull me through what I was dealing with. I don't want to hear about the Apostle Paul's ministry. Like, I don't want to hear about Ephesus and letters to Corinth like that's not what I need like I'm sorry Bob I'm so sorry but like how does that help me you know when you have a real serious issue I don't want to hear about the stuff I'm hearing every Sunday because I feel like he's not addressing my issue right but I decided to stop being frustrated and I decided to calm down and just put the message on right now I didn't do it with the intent to listen to it instead what I did was I put it on in the background, and I promise y'all, as soon as he started talking about baptism, I fell asleep, right? But, I'm sorry, I'm just telling the truth. I'm just telling the truth. But I didn't realize it at the time, but the Holy Spirit was actually convicting me, right? Because he had shown me that I had put my parents in God's place in my life. So this is number one on my journey to a renewed mind. It's other people playing God in my life. So instead of going to my parents, I was supposed to go to God first but I elevated them to a place that they weren't supposed to be. So the moment that they didn't meet my expectations, my attitude towards them changed. I didn't want to hear the word because I felt like it had nothing to do with my issue. What I wanted was to address my immediate issues when the real problem was underneath. I was looking for a Band-Aid, but I needed surgery. I was looking for a temporary fix, but what I needed was healing. And most of you today, I've been where I was. You know, you go through hard moments in your life. You come to church. You want to hear something special that will give you this sense of guidance about what you're going through. But we do ourselves a disservice when we come and we expect the preacher to preach to our pain. Because sometimes 
We need the Holy Spirit to go deeper and to operate and to see those hidden issues that we didn't know existed. Pain is just an indication that there's a problem. Pain is just an alarm. We want the pastor to address our symptoms when the Lord is trying to address the root cause. And if you never allow those deep rooted issues to be addressed and get fixed, they'll be more dangerous later than you think. So I'm going to give you a true story. <laughs> Y'all like, you just did. This is, a different, this is a different true story. So I was at work. This was 2000, I'm going to say 2014. I was at work, and at the time I was working the material. So I'm driving my high-low, I'm delivering parts, and I get tired. I'm like, why am I so tired? I'm putting a box on a thing, and next thing you know, I get drifty. I'm like, I'm falling asleep, and I know I'm not tired. Like, why am I falling asleep? Pass out. When I wake up, I'm in a hospital, right? They got a ton of doctors surrounding me, pushing me on a gurney. Now, I don't know what's going on. I wake up, and you know how you rock on a gurney, and you see all these doctors like, hey, what time is it? Do you know who it is? What's the president? What day is it? You know, and I don't know what's going on. So now my heart rate going up, and they were like, you got to calm down. You got to calm down. I know this is scary, but you got to calm down. So come to find out, I was in ICU for like three days. I had an arrhythmia. I had regular heartbeat, like anything could have happened, right? So it's hard to tell the story because, you know, you don't want people exposing yourself like that. But uh, I ended up going to go see a specialist later. And the specialist was like, like, you could have lost your life. Like, you're burning the candles on both ends. At the time, I was in school. I was doing all kinds of stuff. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating right. So he told me, he said, I'm going to give you some medication. I'm going to give you some pills that's going to help you with your heart regulation, and I'm going to give you some blood thinners. Now, I'm off work for six months. That's how bad this was. I'm off work, and I'm taking these blood thinners, and I'm lethargic. I can barely function. I'm tired. So y'all know me. I'm just like, forget these pills, right? So get rid of the pills. I get my energy back. I tell my doctor, I'm ready to go to work. I go back to work. Not even six months later, I'm on my fork truck. Break time is over. I can't move. So the people are like, hey, man, we need parts. What are you doing? We need parts, Earl. We need parts. And I'm just like, I need a moment. I need a moment. So they call the boss over there. He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Next thing you know, I black out. I wake up in the hospital on the gurney, right, doing the same thing. All these doctors around me, and I'm just like, here we go again. Same exact story. So I go back to see my specialist. And he was like, you know, he was this, this uh, Puerto Rican guy, so he was folding his arms. He was like, Mr. Trump, why are you back in the office? And what, you know, however, however that sounded. And I told him, I was like, I'm, I was like, I know I was supposed to take the pills. I just couldn't do it. I didn't like how it made me feel. I felt lethargic. I didn't feel like I could function. So he was like, well, we got two options. One, we could take this device, we'll go up your growing, get to your heart, and we can reset things that way. I was like, nah, what's option number two? Then he said, we could stop your heart and we can shock it back into rhythm. So I was like, so you wanna kill me and bring me back? I was like, man, just give me the pills. Like, how many, let's give me a refill, give me a refill, right? But the thing about it was, sometimes it take being hard-headed to realize Look, my life is at stake, and at some point, you've got to take your health serious. You've got to take things serious. I don't know this doctor. I don't know what he believes. It don't matter. Sometimes you have to stop being a knucklehead, right? 
So I ended up taking the medication, but I ended up getting prayer. And it was one of those things to where if I start claiming, oh, that's my sickness, that's my arrhythmia, my heart, it's going to be yours. My pastor, your, your first lady, talked to me and was like, you got to stop claiming these illnesses because this is not yours, right? It's not yours. Let it go. So we prayed about it. Y'all, I haven't had a heart issue since. Since. And it's, it's hard to explain. Like, I'm, I'm trying to give y'all a watered-down version because it's actually a lot. But it's, for me, it was spiritual surgery if I could ever find a way to explain it. But this leads me to number two of what I've learned on my journey to a renewed mind. And that was to have my mind changed on how I understood the purpose of the word. So Hebrews 4, 12, and 13 I'm going to read this one out of the NLT. For the word of God is alive and powerful, and it is sharper than than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and our desires. Nothing in all the creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. And reading that, it's like, so the word is so sharp that it can cut between your soul and your spirit, your bone and your marrow, and it exposes your deepest thoughts and desires, well, why is that relevant? It's because the word acts as an x-ray and a surgeon. Soul and spirit means that it can address your spiritual side, right? Your bone and marrow means it can address your physical side, right? And it can also reach your deepest thoughts and your secrets and your desires. That's how powerful the word is. So when my parents say, go put the word on, they're giving me something that checks all three boxes, right? Amen. Amen. Think about it. When you're ready for change, when you're serious about having your mind renewed, the word is literally the only thing you'll ever need, right? There's nothing about your life that the word can't fix. So I love Door Faith, and everybody here loves our pastor, but we can't come with the expectation that pastor has your answer because it's the Holy Spirit who has that answer. He has, well, he needs your consent in order to operate in your life the way that you need him to. What the pastor does and what he's supposed to do or any other minister at this church, our job is to make sure that we give you the word and to make it available. Right. The word you need. Right on. (laughs) (laughs) The word that you need, that's to feed your spirit, because the stronger your spirit, the stronger the x-ray. Right. So it doesn't matter if you preach about the Apostle Paul, Moses, the walls of Jericho, John the Baptist, Habakkuk, however you want to say his name. If the word is being preached, the Holy Spirit is going to provide you with the answers that you need. Now, hear what I'm saying. When the truth of the word is being preached, regardless of the topic, regardless of the speaker, the Holy Spirit will provide you with the answer that you need. So that's why you should never idolize the man up here. We can celebrate him. We love him, but we can't idolize him. And that was a mistake that I made. So you could be in a bad marriage. Finances falling apart. Sickness in your body. The word covers all of that. And it doesn't even have to be on those specific topics, right? I had to learn that. So again, I'm not talking to y'all. I'm speaking about me. Just letting y'all know what's going on with me. When you get the word, when pastor preaches it, it can be effective, but you are supposed to go home and meditate on it. You can't skip that step because you want to keep the word in your heart at all times. And then when you allow the Holy Spirit to saturate your heart, it'll speak to you. But everything starts with that word because faith comes by Y'all are on it this morning. You could be tired of hearing pastor preach about, you know, all these things. But I'm, I'm telling you, regardless of what his topics are, it could be 
something completely left field, right? And you like, man, I am going through the toughest marriage. I'm going through the biggest financial falls I could possibly think of. And you hearing that word, it ain't about him. It ain't about his topic. The Holy Spirit is being fed. The Holy Spirit is the one with that answer. It's not going to always be topic related. That's what I was trying to say. But the word never said faith comes by hearing a specific topic before deliverance takes place. And it never said that the issues that you're dealing with can only be handled when that specific issue was dealt with on that Sunday. Once you give God consent, you allow the word to saturate your heart. The Holy Spirit will do the rest. And your, your life will absolutely change when the Holy Spirit changes your mind from the inside out. Because once you start to grasp the importance of the word, you start to realize the impact that it has on your life. And that's when you end up in the biggest fight for your life without even realizing that you was in the fight to begin with. Now, the devil's been defeated. You've been in this ministry, you know that. The devil's been defeated. We're not fighting the devil. Your biggest enemy that you're ever going to fight is your flesh. Your flesh and your spirit, they're always going to be at a constant war, and your soul is caught between. And the reason why you don't know that it's a fight for your life is because the flesh is not attacking you. No, no, your flesh is trying to make sure you enjoy every possible pleasure you can get your hands on. Your flesh is going to make sure you have a good time until the day that you die. And to most people, that's amazing. That's a good deal. See, the flesh don't want to change because that's his nature. And if you allow the flesh to dictate your actions and your choices, you'll never be able to please God. See, flesh can't glory in God's presence anyway. So it's kind of like a prisoner with a life sentence on death row. He ain't going nowhere. And he want to make sure you keep him company. And when he die, you're going to die with him. And that's all the flesh wants, to have company. How they say misery loves company? But you're just going to live your whole life in confinement and just die? Like, Christ opened the sales doors nearly 2,000 years ago, and you're just going to stay there? At some point, we got to have the faith to walk out, have the faith to realize we're free. We also tend to overlook the fact that our souls are in service. And when we say service, it's almost like a job. When you work for the flesh, you end up with a job that you like. But the wages of that job is going to be death. But when you're in service to the spirit, when you work for the spirit, you may have more sacrifices on the job than you like. But the wages of that is paid in eternal life. Now to make my next point, I want to go back to Romans 12. But I want to read this one out of the NLT. Nah, not yet. Nah, I'll try it. Hold on one second. Oh, that's so much better. Okay. Romans 12, 1 through 3, in the NLT, it says, Did you add a lemon? They just threw the whole lemon in there, just the rhyme and all. It is. Thank you. Thank you. I'll make it worse. Nah, nah. Romans 12. Yeah, come on. Don't get, don't get me in trouble. Pastor's staring at me. Romans 12, 1 through 3 through the NLT. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let him be a holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is the truly way to worship. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. When you learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect, because of the privilege and the authority that God has given me, 
I give each of you this warning. Do not think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluations of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Now, you know it's serious when the Bible gives you a warning. A warning is to prevent you from disaster. When warnings are heated, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <clears throat> when warnings are heated, disasters are avoided. But when warnings are ignored, disasters happen. Think about it, where do warnings come from? You can't issue a warning unless you've already seen what's ahead, right? That's called foresight. So if you start driving on a road and you see a cliff, you will put up some type of sign to let the people coming on that same road know, hey, there's a cliff right here, right? So if they drive by and they see the warning, they know, let me go around this. But if they want to be disobedient, they see the sign and they say, that don't apply to me, and they drive out off the cliff, that's not your fault. You provided the warning, but the warning was there. It's up to them to either obey that ignore or take heed to that warning or ignore that warning. This is a warning not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Now, for me, this becomes number three of the things that I've learned on my journey to a renewed mind, and it's renovating your nature. Now, what is a human nature? It's a fundamental characteristics that includes your ways of thinking, feeling, and acting that humans are said to have naturally. When we talk about a person's nature, there's a ton of spiritual elements you cannot ignore. But there's also a lot of natural elements you can't ignore. But allow me to explain. I have children. And my kids look like me. Well, Trey looks like my dad. But that further proves what I'm trying to say, right? Because my kids, they pick up my traits because it's genetics, right? If you have a big nose and you have kids, your kids going to have a big nose, right? You can get your nose fixed. You can get hair implants to fix your hairline, right? But when your children are born, they're going to be naturally born with short genetics, not your cosmetics. And because my kids are in my home, they're going to pick up my habits, my lifestyle, the words that I say. And this is due to the environment that my children are in, right? But what if my children are adopted? They're not going to have my genetics, nor will they look like me. Now, I could provide a new environment for my kids, and they'll start to reflect my habits and my ways over time. But now we're talking about nature versus nurture. So when we look at this spiritually, we can start to see what Christ actually did when we have Christ on the inside, because God sees us and he sees his son, right? He sees his genetics. He sees his own DNA. He doesn't see us after the flesh. He doesn't see anything but the blood of his son, the land without spot or wrinkle, the son of whom he's well pleased. When he looks at us, that's what he sees because we were adopted in to Christ's family. That's how that process works, right? That's who God sees when he sees you. It's the Christ in you. This life that we now live, we don't walk it after the flesh. We walk after the spirit because our lives are a reflection of who's on the inside. We all know God's our father, but what happens to the old one? We don't talk about that much. But he still wants custody and he wants his kids back. But he can't forcefully take us back because nobody can separate you from the love of Christ. But you can run back to him if you choose to. If you choose to look back and follow after your flesh. How do you know a child of God versus a child of the devil? It's in your nature. It's in your lifestyle. It's in your habits. It's in your patterns. First John 3, 8 through 10. And this is also out of the NLT. It says, but when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. Who has been sinning since the beginning? But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make practice of sinning. 
because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. It really can't be more plain than this. And this is why we are given warnings about the way that we live, the choices we make, the places we go, the actions we take. These warnings are in place to help you avoid exhibiting traits of your old father. Your actions reveal your nature. Lions don't bark and sharks don't fly. It's not in their nature. It's who they are. We have to get to a point where we establish who we are. Are we going to be in Christ or are we not? And just for the record, I'm not talking to y'all. I'm sharing with y'all the way God talked to me. All right. These are lessons that I had to learn to help me draw closer to God. But think about this for a moment. The devil was created to reflect the glory of God, but pride consumed him and he got kicked out of heaven. Now think about that. Pride in the presence of God. Without putting much thought into it, what was the trait of the devil? It was pride, Earl Jr. It was pride. That's right. He thought more highly of himself than he ought to think. So when the Bible tells you not to walk in pride because it comes before a fall, it's because it already happened. God has been here since the beginning. So it's safe to say that we can trust his foresight. This is a warning for a reason. If you choose to start thinking more highly of yourself than you should, if you choose to operate in pride, you are exhibiting the traits of your father, the devil, because his actions, your actions, reveal your nature. On the flip side, if you love one another, you forgive one another, you're operating in the fruits, fruits of the spirit, you start exhibiting traits of your heavenly father, this, you start exhibiting traits of your heavenly father when you start operating in the fruits of the spirit. And this is why you can't live two lifestyles, just like my son can't have two biological fathers. Either he is my seed with my DNA or he's not. He can't, he can't belong to me and somebody else. So once you belong to God, the devil has no more claims on you. You can't have the child, well, he can't have the child, and he can't have the child support, right? He can't go to the courts and have the judge take you back because now you're a new creation. The old version of you that belonged to him, it no longer exists. You have a new name, a new family, a new spirit. The enemy can't even use the court to win you back because you're not even under the law anymore. So the law can't even be used against you. The system that he want to use, it has no power over you because you're free. And whom the sun sets free, there y'all go. Thank you. I knew they was going to know one of these scriptures. Now, for number four, one of the things that I've learned on my journey to a renewed mind was simply changing the way that I think. The mind is powerful. It can record information like a hard drive. It could delete it without your consent. In the very first teaching of the series, Pastor used as an example a movie called The Notebook. And he was talking, you know, the movie, how they talked about this uh, guy who was in love with his wife, but her memory kept slipping. So he would read from this book that he wrote about their life. Um, a lot of us, we know people who struggle with losing their memory, and it is sad to watch, right? People forget who their children are and worse. But this is why it's encouraged to allow the Holy Spirit to influence the way that you think to meditate on the word while you're young and while your mind is strong. Because like any programmable device, the right virus can make all your programs glitchy. The right virus can corrupt the whole system and you're not gonna be able to function the way God intended. Because the older we get, the more stubborn we get. And the more set in our ways we become. But I wanna pivot and I wanna use an example that I think would be very easy to relate to. And this will be a little lighter. 
But have you ever, well, yeah, I'll, I'll say so. Have you ever been to a basketball game? I want you to think back to what you saw. You will see a crowd of fans, right? Some wearing jerseys to support the home team, and then you will have the players on the court. Now, for obvious reasons, there's always going to be more fans in the stands than there's going to be players on the court, and that's by design. I'm going to explain this to you naturally, but I really want you to see where I'm going with this spiritually. When you look at the players on the court, we can say, okay, God is our coach, right? He's the one instructing us on what to do. If we listen, if we heed to his instructions, we end up with the victory. To be on his team, there's a level of sacrifice that has to happen. It's not about salvation, because that's a free gift to all men. When you put on Christ, when you put him on, you have to have a shift in the way that you think, right? Because there's a level of discipline that you have to have. When you suit up, there's a responsibility that comes with that. Actions, choices, it all reflects back on the team because your actions reveal your nature. Your actions determine what team you actually play for. But what about the fan? Fans are like the people who love God but haven't committed to living a godly lifestyle. They support God and all things righteous, but they never have their minds renewed. A fan is not required to practice or listen to the coach, even though they proudly wear the team's jersey. A fan is not required to watch film or study the word because they were never given any responsibility to begin with. A fan can eat cotton candy, a hot dog, they can leave the game at any point without any consequences. A fan isn't even required to focus on the game. They can wear the opposing team's jersey and not even be at fault. When we see people who aren't living the life that God asks us to live, it's not your job to judge them because we can't make somebody abide by a life that they never agreed to live. And a lot of people, they'll tell you that, oh, I believe their actions don't line up with that, but don't judge them. Our job is to love them. Realize when you see a fan, be glad that they just wearing the team jersey, but focus on what you're supposed to be doing, not on somebody else, because your walk is your walk. You can't walk for somebody else, right? A player don't focus on the fans. Wonder who went to the bathroom or who just walked out to get food before a timeout. The player has to focus on the game. So you cannot play God in people's life. Allow God to work on his fans while you focus on the responsibilities that you currently have. Because God didn't ask you to micromanage the lifestyles of others. He instructed you to love others. And I know we don't always like rules. I know we don't like to have responsibilities. I know we don't like accountability or being faced with a mirror. But if you choose to live your life the way that you want, you'll never be anything more than a fan. Now, the players are the ones who get paid. The fans are the ones who end up paying. So you have to have a shift in the way that you think or you'll spend the rest of your natural life paying for something that God gave you for free. Now remember, this ain't to put nobody down. These are lessons that I've learned in a way that allow me to retain what I've learned. So I'm preaching to me, okay? But God knows my perspective. He knows how to explain things to me in a way that I can understand. And he may say some things to you that allows you to understand ways that you can understand, right? But at the end of the day, the whole goal is to just be on the same page. Now, we talked earlier about a person's nature. But how can you identify a fan in your personal life? And if you're paying attention, fans would be super supportive, but they'll never get their hands dirty. They'll tell you what you should do, but they're not going to help you do it. Fans don't live by example, and fans don't lead. Fans are like the multitude. They followed Jesus. They enjoyed the benefits. But when it came down to choosing Christ or a thief, they chose Barabbas. When Jesus spoke, 
He spoke parables to the multitude, but he gave his disciples the revelation because fans aren't ready for revelation, which is why everything you hear in church is a mystery. Fans say things like God works in mysterious ways, but it's only a mystery when you don't know him. You tell him on yourself. God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And we know what he's going to do because his word has already been established and he doesn't operate outside his word. So there's no mystery in that. Identifying fan behavior allowed me to see this in my life because it allowed me to be able to make personal changes that a lot of y'all don't know and a lot of y'all probably will never know. But I'm sure y'all got your own stories that y'all can say, Lord, worked on y'all. And that's all that matters, that we end up at the same place at the same time. But I wouldn't be married right now with kids if I never learned this. For me, I'm telling my child, saying for me, realizing that a fan will talk about God but won't commit when it mattered, that helped me filter through a lot of people before I got married. And it's not about judgment. Like I said, I can have a lot of respect for you. I can appreciate that you wear a clean Jesus jersey, but I need somebody who can help me win. I need a teammate, a partner, somebody who can also hear the voice of my coach. You know, there's going to be some things that I can't get involved with because the enemy has too much influence over certain things. And if I start eating from those trees, it's going to affect the fruit that I produce. And you know who eat from the fruit that I produce? My family, my kids. This is why believers shouldn't be following their horoscope. Now, I know I'm going to say it. This is my Pastor Crump moment. But the thing about it is, this ain't about right or wrong. I don't want you to think it's not about judgment because you can do what you want. I don't care. But this is about identifying how God sees your nature, okay? To be identified as like a, a Leo or a Taurus, all it does is identify as who you are after the flesh. It can only tell about your old man. So if you a new creation in Christ, if you truly born again, how could that even apply to you? <clears throat> you know, for you to still go back and, and see like, oh, let me see who I used to be, you become no different than Lot's wife, right? When she left Sodom, what did she do? She, she looked back, and she turned into a, some Himalayan, some Himalayan sea salt. <clears throat> if, you're not, if you're not bothered by looking backwards, then your mind hasn't been renewed because you're too willing and you're too eager to listen to what the stars said you should be doing, who you'll meet, how your day will go. It's providing foresight for a road that you were never supposed to be on. My Bible says that my sheep hear my voice. So can you read your daily horoscope and say it was God's voice? If it's not, and you know it's not, how do you justify entertaining it and taking in that, in that advice? Like, how, do you, how, do you, how can you justify saying, oh, I'm going to apply this today. I can't wait to see if this is real. How do you justify that? You just said it's not the voice of God, so why are you listening to it? Everything that God said in his word, he has to back up because he's a promise keeper. His word would not return no or void. Now, when he said you were a new creature, old things passed away. See, you're wearing a new jersey, but you're just a fan. You like the idea of being made new in Christ, but you're not ready to take off the old man. And the reason why I brought up fans is because a fan will wear their jersey over their regular clothes anyway. That's just, that's just fan behavior. When you don't renew your mind, when you don't put on the mind of Christ, you love you some God, but you're just a fan. That's okay. Change takes time if you want it. But this simple concept, I'm telling y'all, it got me out of a lot of potential bad situations because the flesh doesn't want God and it never will. 
anything the flesh desires will be contrary to what the spirit desires. So why would the spirit want to learn about your zodiac sign when the Holy Spirit was designed to lead and guide you? It's like sitting in a car with two GPS navigations on, telling you where to go. One saying go left, one going right. Your natural instinct is going to be to turn one of these off. But why y'all turn off God? If you never allow yourself to discern the voice of God, you'll always listen to the devil's whispers. I want to read Galatians 5, 16 and 17, and I'm going to read this one from the NLT. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Thing is, we can read this and understand that it's a war for our soul happening right here in the mind. But when you're just a fan, it's, this ain't a priority. You'll come, you'll hear the word, you'll dance and shout, but then you'll walk right back out that door and dabble in the same mess that gave the enemy power of your life to begin with. Because coming to church is entertainment. You know, you come, you watch the game, you show support, and then you're gone. But the players on the court, kind of like us in here, the people that actually put real skin in the game with the word, they plan to feed their family, you know, to impact communities, to compete in the battle for victory. We risking injury, risking fatigue. It's not a game to us. But just because you in this building don't mean we are here for the same reason. So we need to learn how to love everyone for where they are, for who they are, and allow God to be the one to change a person, because that's not our job. <clears throat> now, I remember something that my dad said years ago, back when we was on Elizabeth Lake Road, like I'm talking New Greataway, Pastor Crump. And what he said was, he said, the devil's voice will keep talking because you ain't fed up with it yet. And if you're not fed up with it, it's because you like it. Now, I don't know if y'all remember that version of him, but he was real like, ah, in the service, right? Uh, but why, 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 like, what, what does this mean, right? Why would, I, why would I even add this in here? Oh, I added it because I, okay. I'm going to go to the next point because he's looking at me, and I've already said that I ain't like hearing his voice, so I don't want to have this, this uh, drawback later, so I'm going to skip this part. I will skip it. <clears throat> I'm skip it. Okay, so check this out. If you're a young lady, right? Let's say you walked in the mall, right? And you see this guy walk up to you and he's like, hey, boo thing, let me get that number. I'm pretty sure you're not going to go for that, right? Is that safe to say y'all not going for that? Safe? Okay. You'll probably cut your eyes, you're going to walk away, and probably wave your hand like, oh, thank you, right? But why would you do that? Because you don't want to entertain foolishness. Now, without knowing a thing about this person, you knew that he wasn't trying to, trying to provide you with anything of substance, because you know game when you hear it. Yet, y'all can let the enemy sweet talk y'all right back to the graveyard to play in the very flesh that the Holy Spirit saved you from. How are you a new creature if you still tied to the old one? Let me ask you another question. If a butterfly looks into a mirror, would he see a caterpillar? So why would you see who you used to be if you're supposed to be a new creature? I'm telling y'all, this ain't me talking to y'all. This is how the Lord be talking to me. These are my convictions that I'm sharing. 
And I'm sharing it as a testimony of how he was able to help me grow up. Everything that I asked for, everything that I prayed for, it never came while I was a fan. It wasn't until I made the commitment to live for him and allow my mind to be renewed that some of those doors actually started to open for me. My wife and my kids, they were behind those doors, but I was never going to be able to have access to that door from the bleachers. God opened the doors for me to move back, and that situation was all him. And when I say timing is everything, I mean, just the way that it happened, none of it was because of me. And my dad will tell you, I don't believe that any of these doors for me to come home, for me to get married, the door to have kids, I don't believe any of those things would be open for me if I never allowed the Lord to change the way that I think. I was in my own way, and I was trying to do things my own way. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying, oh, I, I figured it out. I got that logos. Let me come out here. And I'm not saying none of that. What I'm saying is I realize that there has to be change in the mind. And again, it's a process. Nothing happens overnight. But you have to be willing to say, you know what? This ain't a surface issue. This is a heart issue. And when you accept that, the Lord can actually work with you. If you operate in pride, he can't touch you because he's not going to go against your will until you give him consent. Now, the things didn't change until I stopped moving. Things didn't change until I was able to admit that I was going the wrong way. Things for me didn't change until I allowed the Holy Spirit to give me a new direction and filter out any influences that were contrary to what God said. I know my perspective seems weird to most, but I'm an artist, I have a very creative imagination, and yet the Lord still found a way to communicate with me in a way that I understood it. So I hope that I was able to do that for y'all as well. You know. I know some of you here listening to me, both here and online, can acknowledge that you may not have been where y'all wanted to be spiritually, because it happens, right? But the Holy Spirit hasn't left you. As long as you have air in your lungs, you can still have your mind renewed, if you want it, because it's a journey. Your journey will be completely different from mine, because the Spirit will share things with you in a way that you understand and I won't. What's for you is for you. But again, as long as we end up the same destination that's all that matters so if you hear the sound of my voice just real quick I want you all to repeat after me Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit renovate my mind, renovate my mind. Give, me a new heart give me a new heart and renew the right spirit in me I don't want to walk after the flesh but help me on this journey lead me teach me and help me to embrace my new nature Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.